taking the month of July and used what he has affectionately called his teaching team. So the previous three weeks, Miss Naoma and Miss Haley, and then last week, uh, Dwayne, and they all did an incredible job, and I have no idea what I was thinking going last. <laughs> Good Lord. Number one, they're about half my age, and uh, it's a tough act to follow, but we're going to take a swing at it today. All right? And this is crazy. You have to bear with me. Sonny can tell you. <laughs> Usually when they stick me up in front of the crowd in order to kind of get loose and get going, I have to start with a little bit of something I think is a little bit funny. So there were these three guys. They were named Pete, Tracy, and Sonny. <laughs> and they had a friend that passed away, so they're at the funeral, and they're standing around talking and, you know, reminiscing, sharing memories. And Tracy turned to Pete. He said, Pete, when your time comes and you're laying here, he said, what kind of things would you like to have somebody say about you? Pete said, well, I'd like to say that I was a good dad, and good husband, and a, and a man of God. He said, what about you, Tracy? Tracy said, well... Me too. He said, I like for people to say that I was a good guy, uh, a man of God, somebody people could depend on and was always willing to help somebody. He turned and said, Sonny, what about you? Without any hesitation at all, Sonny said, well, I hope somebody says, look, he's moving. <laughs> I made that up. He didn't really do that. <laughs> oh, that's my buddy. If you could stand, we're going to open with a word, with a scripture. The title of my message today is just simply Step by Step. Psalms 119, 133 says, Establish my footsteps in, in the way of your word. Do not let any human weakness have power over me, causing me to be separated from you. What it's really saying is help me to step by step. Step to your word and don't let my weaknesses be so powerful that they cause me to be separated or to take steps away from you. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house today. God, we thank you because we've already experienced and felt your presence. And God, I pray that you would move on us during this time. Guard my mind. Touch my knees. Help me, God, to share what you laid in my spirit. Number one thing. Don't let us leave here the way we came. We'll never fail to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Today, you can be seated. Today, we're going to take a brief look at the life of Samson and find out if we have anything in common with him. Have you ever thought that, hey, I got something in common with Samson? When you think about Samson or the Bible story about Samson, what kind of a thought or image comes to your mind? Is it something like this? Is that the way you picture Samson? Or perhaps it's something like this? I don't know. But we all have a picture. We have an image that's in our mind. And as I was prepared for this message and going through and studying and looking for things, I never found any place where it said that he was a big hulkster, bodybuilder type of guy. Most stuff says or points to the fact that he was just an average guy, just an average person like you and me. Samson was, check this out, he was predominantly average until the power of God fell on him. 
And when the power of God, the Bible says when the power of God or the anointing or the power of God, he accomplished some amazing things. And we're going to look at some of that today. You know the power and the anointing of God to make you look different? It'll make you do things that you never thought you could do. The power of God will anoint you and raise you up for such a time as this, for whatever the occurrence is. I'll tell you a little bit of a story. 50 years ago, in April of 1973, I just had turned 16 and wanted to drive everywhere. You know how six new drivers are. Yeah, I'll drive. Well, you want me to go to Florida, pick up some orange juice. Okay, I'm, going, I'm the guy. I'll drive anywhere. So my mom and dad and me had gone to Indiana with my aunt to an antique auction. My parents were into antiques. My dad had borrowed a truck from somebody, and they bought everything they could afford plus a few things and loaded the truck to the gills. My aunt said, hey, do you want to drive with me and follow the truck? Because we were going on to her house in Scottsburg. I said, yeah, that'd be great. My mom got involved, and she vetoed it. She said, no, you're not. She said, I'm going to ride with my sister so I can have some time to visit. You ride with your dad. So we're headed to Scottsburg, Indiana, from VV, Indiana. We got to Madison. And as you go out on Route 50, you come out of Madison, there's a little bit of a hill and a curve. And you can't really see what's coming. We got to that curve, and here come a car. And Dad said, oh, no, and he swerved and was able to get off the road. The car behind us was able to do the same thing, and he swerved off the road. By then, the car had lost control, and he was completely in their lane, and he hit my mom and my aunt head on. And the only thing I remember, I was a kid. I thought I was a big, tough guy, but I was a kid. Dad said, oh, my God, they've hit your mom. So we jumped out of the truck and took off running, and we hear this huge, loud noise that sounded like a jet. And we're in the middle of the road, and that jet was the police. We found out later chasing this drunk driver. We're in the middle of the road, and we were able to stop them. They didn't run over us, but Dad and I were the first two people on the scene. And as a 16-year-old kid, I got there. I didn't see my aunt, but I saw my mom. She was conscious, completely covered in blood, and trying to get out of the car. Their car had been driven backward, and it was up on top of a guardrail. Another couple feet, they would have dropped a 30-foot cliff. But somehow or another, I just was overcome with shock or grief. I have no idea. I collapsed in the road, sitting there sobbing. I have no idea where Dad was. But Dad came to me, and he jerked me up. Off the, I can see it today. Got me by the shoulders. He said, look at me. And I was a mess. But he said, look at me. He got my attention. He said, take your mom's purse. And he said, don't let anything happen to it. It's got all my money in it. And he said, don't leave your mom. You stay with mom. And don't leave your mom. He said, I got to go. I wasn't clear enough to think of anything. The next thing I knew, mom's in the ambulance. I'm in the front seat. And dad was gone. I didn't know what was coming next. But I'll tell you the rest of that in a couple of minutes. Because it brings us to point number one in our message today. It just simply says, you're it. You're it. According to Judges chapter 13, it says that Samson was called and set apart by God even before he was born. He was it, if you will. He was called to be a Nazarite. And if you go back and look in Numbers chapter 6, it talks about the Nazarites and it talks about people doing things to show their commitment to God for a specific time, take certain vows. Typically, it was done for maybe a 30-day period. It wasn't done for a lifetime, but Samson was called and born to be a Nazarite. So in that, he had some certain commitments that 
And think about this. I think this is a little tough. You got commitments made for you. You're not even born. But that was the deal. He could never drink any fermented drinks. He could never touch or eat any unclean thing. And he could never cut his hair. Judges chapter 13, verse 24 says, The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him. Samson was called by God. But can I tell you, Samson had issues. <laughs> he, he had anger issues. The Bible says he was full of lust. He was arrogant and proud. Do you think, is it possible God knew that? Sure he did. Here, let me let you in on a secret. He knows yours and mine, too. Oh, man. But in spite of his character flaws, yeah, he had a few. God used him. Can I tell you what God wants to do for me and you today? In spite of who I am. He knows me best, but he loves me most. And in spite of who I am, he's placed gifts in me. He's placed gifts in you. And he wants to use you. And he wants to use me. He wants the anointing and the power of God to use us. You can go on and read in chapters 13 through 16 of Judges. It talks all about Samson's life. How he broke every vow he was supposed to keep. How he continually taunted the Philistines. The battles and the result that resulted from that and how he did it. Every time... In the midst of his chaos, he called on God. And you know what God did? He answered. Just like he'll do for me and you. He answered every time, whenever he called him. <clears throat> but it says, I want to talk about just two specific stories about Samson. I don't have time to go into all of them. About how that he killed the lion and tied the fox's tails together and set the, on fire and burned up the crops. And we don't have time to go into the whole thing about how he killed 30 people just to take their clothes because he was mad because he lost a bet, so he killed these guys to take their clothes to pay off the bet. He had issues. And God said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. But I want to talk about two specific things. In chapter 15, it says the men of Judah, and if you look at that, 3,000 men of Judah. That's important. I want to talk about that in just a second. But in other words, Samson's guys, his people, Samson had been called to begin the process of delivering Israel from the captivity of the Philistines. And so his people came to Samson and they said, we're going to turn your hide over to the Philistines. Why would they do that? Their misery and their separation from God had become acceptable. Wow. They had become, they had become comfortable Living in bondage. You know, you and I can do that. How much do we live beneath our means? Haley said it a couple weeks ago when she spoke. It's not about what I've done. It's about whose I am. That's the key. It's about whose I am. Man. But they got comfortable. I think it sounds a little bit like our church in America today. But I want you to see what happened. As they took 3,000 of their men, and they said, we're going to turn Samson over because at least we can be at this level of comfort. He's driving us crazy. Every time I turn around, he thinks peaceful. He goes over and ties the fox's tails together and burns down all the crops. I want peace and quiet. I'm willing to put up with. Man, that's where we live today, folks. I'm willing to put up with fill in the blank. I'll put up with it. 
He don't want us to do that. But anyway, it says 3,000 Philistines came. and I mean, 3,000 of his men of Judah came and, and tied him up to turn him over to the Philistines. And if you look at it, it says the Philistines ran. They were pumped. They were excited about the fact that they were going to finally get this guy that had been annoying him for all these years, and we're going to take him and put him to death. That's what the deal was. Isn't this something? Well, let's look at this. What did Samson do? He saw that they were coming. He stood up. The Bible says that the anointing and the power of God came upon him and that the binds, the bound, the things, the ropes that said they burned like flax. Can I tell you when the power of God falls on you, when the anointing of God falls on you, whatever's got you bound will drop like flax that's been set on fire. It don't matter what it is. Whatever's got you tied up, whatever's got you bound, if you'll take it to the Lord, it'll be gone. You don't have to debate about it. You don't have to talk about it. But I have to get in his presence in order to allow him to anoint me. But it says the ropes fell off like charred flax. He found the jawbone of a donkey. He grabbed it and he killed a thousand men with it. Look at this. It took 3,000 to tie him up. And they knew him. He's one of theirs. What were the Philistines thinking only bringing a thousand people? Yeah, 3,000 tying him up. Now we're going to go transport this guy and we only need a thousand. But you probably know the story. Said he looked down, he found the jawbone of a donkey, and he picked it up, and he killed a thousand Philistines. Just imagine with me for a minute. What I would tell you is right here you see a perfect illustration of two things. Number one, the power of God. Number two, the spirit of insanity. A thousand people. What in the world was number 412 thinking? <laughs> you get 411 dead guys. I'm next. You know, what's the deal? 747, here I come, Samson, get some of this. You know, but the two numbers in this that amaze me the most are 999 and 1,000. And I've imagined this and thought this, you know, surely to the Lord, they're not in line taking turns. You know, maybe they're swarming this guy. But I just envision number 999 looking over and say, here, 1,000, you can go next. I'll wait on you. I, I don't know. My mind don't work right sometimes, guys. I just, I ponder these things, you know, and I'm thinking. I know the Bible says that Jesus left 99 and went looking for the one. If I would have been there that day, when they got to 999, I'd have been nowhere to be found. It took Jesus to find me. I mean, I tell you, they had the bodies piled up in heaps. I could have played dead, <laughs> you know. But he slayed a thousand people with the jawbone. <clears throat> but here's the problem. God did this miraculous thing, empowered Samson to accomplish. Remember the big picture. We're going to set Israel free. But look what Samson did in Judges 15 and 16. It says, then Samson said with a donkey jawbone, I, I have made them look like donkeys. With the donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. Where's God in his mind? Samson didn't do that. Samson wasn't Hulk Hogan. He probably wasn't that puny guy, but he was somewhere in the middle. He's just an average Joe, if you will, until the power of God got on him. But then when it came, push comes to shove, Samson begins to tell everybody, hey, look what I did. Look what I did. Hey, did you see this? Verses 18 and 19 says, because he was very thirsty, 
So here again, Samson gets to the place to where, hey, God, I need something. It says that he called out to the Lord and God answered him. He touched the ground and made water come out of the ground. The Bible says it quenched his thirst. He was rested. His strength came back and he was revived. But look what he said. He said, I'm out here. You gave me this great victory. In other words, expressing a little bit of gratitude. He said, but now what are you going to do? Let me die of thirst? And how arrogant. The God of all gods just touched him and allowed him to kill a thousand people. And now he's really accusing God of just going to let me die of thirst. But check it out. And even, it says, when, even in his desperation and his arrogance coming through, what did God do? He answered him and he blessed him. I'm telling you, I'm overwhelmed today more than ever before in my life at how God continually looks past my imperfections. How he looks past the times that I goofed it up. Hey, God, I'm, I'm embarrassed to come to you. This is 37 days in a row I did this wrong. He said, I'm not keeping count. He said, I just want you to come. It don't matter. But every time that you read about Samson, every time that Samson went and called on God, God answered. God answered. Can I tell you this? When you allow your deepest need to drive you to God, God will always answer your deepest need. Man. Let your deepest need drive you to God. God will always answer your deepest need. Our thought for us today is, what is my deepest need and where is it driving me to? We go to all the wrong places for the answers. Brings us to point number two. We've been here, haven't we? Here we go again. Here we go again. I hope you all understand. Here we go again. That applies to me. And at least a couple of y'all, I know some of you. Here we go again. Samson had just had the greatest victory of his lifetime, plus a supernatural encounter to where God just taps the ground and brings water out and supplies all the need that he had because he needed to have his strength renewed. He was, according to him, dying of thirst. And possibly, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You get pretty thirsty killing a thousand guys, you know, especially with just a bone. You know, hey, time out, whatever. But he was thirsty. And in the middle of this, he had a supernatural encounter with God. You would think maybe that we've turned the corner. But if you look at Judges chapter 16, verse 1, it says, One day, Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute, and he went to spend the night with her. Here we go again. Here we go again. If you go back and look at it, it's, it's, it's a cycle with Samson. Because he had character issues. It's a cycle issue with us because we got character issues. Howard, I'm not going to be perfect until I get to be with him. I got issues. I got issues. So here we go again. Gaza is significant because it's the headquarters of the Philippines. Philippines. It was kind of like the Pentagon. So he's not satisfied with just being in Philistine territory. But now he decides, I'm going to go to your Pentagon and find me a prostitute. It's a little bit of, this is bad, but let me rub this in your face, is what he was doing. Let me announce to you what I'm doing, just in case you're not keeping track. Here I am, I'm in the Mac Daddy of the center of your country or your land or whatever you want to call it, and I'm going to do what I want to do, not because God told him to, but I'm Samson, 
and I can do what I want. Who in the world would do such a dumb thing? Who would risk everything for so little? Us. <laughs> People in my family. Me. You. Nobody's immune. Who would do it? Turn on the news and you see businessman, politician, pastors. They choose dumb things. It's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're a person. And we have an enemy that's bringing temptation against us all the time. And he's got this and he'll put it in a package that looks just right for you guys. Or he'll put it in a package that's just right for me. And all of a sudden, Petey's got my attention. And then I lend my ear. Or you see like the people of Judah, the men of Judah that came, they had got comfortable. Where were they at? In prison. In prison, so to speak, with the bondage of the Philistines. The Philistines were dictating life to them. And they got to say, well, it could be worse. Not as bad as it could be. Samson, leave us alone. Quit trying. Here's what they said. Samson, quit trying to deliver us back to God. Can you imagine that? But that's what they said. Mm. Samson's trip to Gaza ultimately leads him to Delilah. Samson's trip to Gaza gets his eyes gouged out. Samson's trip to Gaza ultimately humiliates him. They take him in prison, have him grinding at the mill, the most humiliating position they could be so people could come by and laugh and scoff. Ultimately, it cost him his life, his trip to Gaza. Wow. But you know, these issues and these events in his life, they didn't just happen because it was Tuesday or whatever was going on. It happened as a result, if you will, of choices and steps that Samson did. You know, most of the time when I find myself about this deep in junk, if I take the time to trace it back, way back here before it was knee high, I was waiting somewhere I shouldn't have been waiting. I was listening to something I shouldn't have been listening to or looking at something I shouldn't have been looking at. And then all of a sudden it gets up above your knee and you can't move as quick. And I'm here. That's what was going on with Samson. He made choices, if you will. He made steps, as we talked about in our opening scripture, not toward God's word, not toward things that would keep him close to God, but to things that would separate him from God. But from the very beginning, <clears throat> from the very beginning, God had a plan and a purpose for Samson's life. The Lord blessed him step by step. No matter what steps he took, where he ended up, they blessed, God blessed him. God used him. Again, he blessed him over and over. He killed the lion Killed the 30 men, the foxes, the city gates. What about that? He took the gates of the city and took them out and put them on the hill as if to say, hey, don't mess with me. Those gates weighed somewhere close to 1,000 pounds. He put them on his shoulders, took them up and reset them as to announce that, hey, Samson's here. In case you're not sure, that's me. I wanted you to know that. So he ended up with Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines came to her and wanted to bribe her to find out what is the secret of this guy's strength. So she began to ask him, what is the secret of your strength? What, how do you do this? So he was in love with her. 
But he got, how did he get in love with her? He got too comfortable hanging with the enemy. You know, you can do that. You can do that. You get too close, and all of a sudden the enemy's got a hold. You can't break that hold. It's got to be the power of God. Come break that hold. You can't do it. So she began to ask him, and he began to lie. <laughs> you have a great relationship. I'm going to ask you a question. Well, here, let me tell you a lie. So she asked him on three different occasions, and he told her, get some bowstrings and tie me up, and then that'll take away my strength. Or you can get some new ropes and tie me up. Or you can braid my hair, and that'll take my strength. So every time she asked, the guy evidently took more naps than I do. He was asleep. And she tried this. And then she said, anybody know what she said? She said, the Philistines are on you. Samson woke up. The Bible says he shook himself. He dealt with the issue, and he was free. The Philistines are on you. He shook himself, and he was free. Hmm. Wow. I'm taking you to what I believe is the saddest, if definitely if not the saddest, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Eventually, <laughs> I'll do this first. He came to her, and she's whining and crying and saying, look, you're embarrassing me in front of the people that are trying to kill you, and so I need you to tell me the truth. You know, I need to know the truth. And so she was talking to him, and check it out. Verse 16 says, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day after day after day. It says, until he was tired to death. So here's your little note for parents of teenagers. When you got a teenager, they just won't hush. And they nag you and nag you and nag you day after day. They're just trying to be like the Bible. And they want to nag you. So you can get nagged to death or real close to it. Right here in the book of Judges, it tells us. She nagged him, it says, until he was nagged to death. But here's the problem with that. What was his response? The Bible says he told her everything. Huh. You know, part of what he told her, part of what he told her was, before I was even born, I was set apart for God. I've had encounters with God that nobody on this earth has ever had. And God has used me. I remember what it felt like to have the power of God come on me and change my countenance, change what I could do and what I couldn't do. But he told her everything. And that still didn't snap him into reality. He told her everything, including the secret of his strength, which we all know was cutting his hair. So here he is again, sleeping. You would have thought, or at least I would have thought, I don't want to drag you into my stuff. I would have thought that if every time I woke up, the Philistines were there, there's something bad happening when I'm sleeping. Every time I wake up, they're here. A bunch of Philistines are in my house looking at me mad. You know, what's going on? There's crazy stuff happening here. But here he is again. He says that he told her everything. But in Judges chapter 16, verse 20, it says she, he was asleep. She called somebody in and they cut his hair. I don't know who can get your head shaved without waking up. You know, I mean, but that's the deal. But look at verse 20. It says, then she called and said, Samson, the Philistines are on you. She wanted to make it right. She made it loud and clear. The Bible says he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out 
as before, shake myself free. The saddest verse in the Bible says, but he did not know the Lord had left him. Wow. God help me. Rob, I'll mess it up. God, but don't let me get so far from your presence. And I'm clueless. He thought everything was the way that it always was. Every time she'd hollered about the Philistines, he shook himself and he was set free. But today, she called and he shook himself. He did everything he knew to do, but he didn't know the Lord had departed. Folks, that's dangerous territory. It's dangerous territory. But can I tell you today, nobody's immune. That can be me or you. If we don't pay attention to what we're supposed to do, if you remember our opening scripture, it talked about don't let our weaknesses take our steps to where they're away from you or where they separate us from God. We have to focus on where we step and how we step. The enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He just wanted to take Samson out. The enemy knew Samson had been set apart. The enemy knew that Samson had a chore, if you will, for God to begin the process of delivering Israel from the Philistine captivity. But Samson got mixed up and ended up stepping the wrong direction. His life was a mess. Hate to break it to him, but it's getting ready to get worse. It says that they took him, they gouged his eyes out. I've thought about that. I I can't think of anything more horrible than somebody coming up and just ripping my eye out. They put him on display, humiliating him, making fun of him. Here's the worst part. They're making fun of him and his God. Ha, this is the guy. Him and his God did all that. Look at him now. He don't even have any eyes. He's grinding at the mill. We replaced those donkeys with him. Wow. But it tells you that they had a big party to celebrate the fact that we captured Samson. So they got this big party. So they say, hey, let's make it better. Let's bring Samson up on stage so we can really get at him. Make fun of him and his God. Let's do it. They went too far. They brought Samson out and they placed him, if you read about it, close to the center columns of the big Colosseum. And Samson said, hey, God, will you strengthen me one more time? I don't know who you are here today. This might be your one more time. I don't know. But if you're willing and able to say, hey, God, he's welcome. He's willing and able to say yes to you in whatever your circumstances are. It says that they placed him close to the center pillars, and he asked God if God would bless him one more time. The Bible even says his hair started to grow. How cool is that? See, the whole deal with his hair, it wasn't a fashion statement. It was an outward demonstration that this guy had a unique relationship with God. They saw him, and they saw his long hair, and they saw how he lived. And they said, he's a Nazarite. He's got a relationship with God. God wants you and I. The way I read it, he says that the way that they will know that we are his disciples is our love one for another. You know who they is? Everybody that don't know him. Everybody that don't know him should be able to pick me and you out of a crowd because of the way we love and treat other people. Because it goes against the grain. 
If we're doing this right, it goes against the grain. Anyway, the Bible says that Samson pushed on the pillars and the entire building collapsed. Everybody there died, including Samson. Samson judged or led Israel for 20 years. They were in captivity of the Philistines for 40 years. So he did his half to begin the process. Despite his imperfections, God used him anyway. Here's the lie of the enemy. He'll say, you can't go volunteer and be on the dream team at that church. Don't you remember what you did? I might remember it, but when somebody goes and takes it back to God and says, hey, don't you remember what he did? He said, uh-uh. Oh, I sees the blood. It's been covered. It's been covered. It don't matter anymore what he did. So quit believing the enemy. Quit buying into the lie. Whatever it is and whatever God has for you to do, now's the time. Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. We've got to be ready, and we need to do everything in our power. I've got to the station in my life, Rob, as I've got old. It's not enough for me to make it. I need to take somebody. I've got family members that are lost that I need to make a difference. Maybe they won't listen to me, but maybe you've got a family member that will listen to this old guy. Then let me do that for God because somebody else will get to my kids, my grandkids. But let me be used. And he'll use you and he'll use me if we just let him. God used him in spite of his imperfections. I want to finish the story that I started. I was telling you about the wreck. Next thing I knew, they wouldn't let me in the room with my mom. I was a 16-year-old kid, supposed to have been driving that car. But a lot of this stuff that I'm going to tell you didn't dawn on me until later. I didn't know it. I was in no condition to be told. But they wouldn't let me in a room where Mom was. But they gave me a chair let me sit outside, and all I could hear was her scream. She had broken bones. They had to set her nose without any anesthetic because they didn't know about head injuries. And so it took my terror and turned it up about three notches, you know. My dad was gone for, like, at least two hours. And I got another story that I'll tell you next time I talk about an angel that came. But my dad was gone for a couple of hours. And I learned later, my dad went to the truck. He had 25 miles to drive to get to Scottsburg. Supernaturally, my dad, who wasn't a big man, unloaded the truck by himself. Things that I saw three men had to carry to get in the truck, dad took out. Dad had to go through the small town of Scottsburg, and I had a cousin who was the same age as me. He was playing basketball. He had to go find him and tell him, your mom just got killed, and I need you to come with me. He came, and without going into any other great details, our lives, as you can imagine, my mom first and the rest of us, it was never the same. But check this out. Show me this picture. That's my dad. In April 1973, that's what Samson looked like to the Cain family. He had been empowered by God in spite of anything that we didn't really think we did anything wrong. We're running, trying to get home. Excuse me. 
But that's what Samson looked like because the anointing and the power of God fell on my dad and allowed him to do things that naturally he could never do. He put a protection and a safety for a young boy. I have no idea. And I've thought about this through the years, and this stuff will mess you up. It messes me up. I was supposed to be driving a car. The guy that hit him was going 102. Their speedometer locked out at 29. I was supposed to be driving that car. How many times in the last 50 years have I messed up? And somebody had to say, hey, the Philistines are on you. How many times? I don't have any idea what God's plan was. But I got two adult children. I got six grandkids. And we're not perfect. But we're doing everything we can to try to make a difference wherever he sets us, wherever he sticks us, whatever he says. We're doing our best to say yes. And it brings me to my third and final point, step by step. Step by step. We're a lot like Samson. Whether we were, probably didn't know it, hadn't thought about it like that until you got here today. But check this out. Psalms 139, verse 13 and 14. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God did the same thing for you as he did for Samson. He knew you before you were born, and he set you apart. He has a purpose for you, for you, and for me. Every one of us in here has gifts, and God wants to use those gifts to empower you to reach the lost, to touch those that are in your circle of influence, to make a difference in their life, like Samson delivering Israel. Can I tell you this? I think you can discover what Samson looks like most days in your mirror. Samson looks like you. Just like in April 1973, it looked like dad for the Cain family. But you look like Samson. God's trying to empower you for Monday. <laughs> you know, he knows somebody's driving 102 miles an hour in your lane. He knows somebody's coming to bind you up with whatever binds you. And he wants to set you free. We're going to talk about gifts today at Connecting Point. But like Samson, you and I get to choose the direction of our steps. This whole process is a step-by-step issue. But God never, you never read where somebody put a harness on Samson and begin to drag him and say, okay, buddy, you got to go this way. But there was opportunities and things that occurred to his mind. We have opportunities. We have things that come to our mind. What are we going to do with them? How are we going to do it? God says, you choose. It's a step-by-step. We choose our steps. Samson, check this out, and I'm going to close with this if the musicians want to make their way up. Samson traveled 25 miles to Gaza. So it wasn't like he was going next door. 25 miles. I did a little bit of research on that. Do you know that that's 56,250 steps to Gaza? Samson took 5,250 5, steps to get neck deep 
to get his eyes gouged out and to die. Don't you think for a moment that here he is. Picture this. I'm taking a step, and I'm taking a step. And God's telling him, Samson, what are you doing? Samson, what are you doing over there? He said, I'm just stepping. I'm just stepping. Oh, and he's maybe entertaining his thoughts with where he's headed and the, and the girl that he saw. And he's trying to get there. And God's saying, what are you thinking? Listen to me. You don't have to go there. I know you have 13,000 steps into it, but you can turn around. You're not there yet. It's not over. It's not over. You can turn around. It's crazy. Samson, what are you doing? This is crazy. I know this. In James chapter 4, it says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Can I change that a little bit? You step toward God. Oh, man. Can you get this picture? I can't do much. There's an old gospel, southern gospel song that says, keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's all I can do. I can't tell you what tomorrow holds, Howard. Like, oh, look, I made that far. I got another step. Step by step, I'm going to go toward God. Maybe what you're dealing with today is you're stepping the wrong direction. Maybe you knew something wasn't right when you came today. Maybe for some of you that this message today It's your cry. The Philistines are on you. Stop. If you recognize today that the steps that you're taking don't line up with what they should be, I got one word for you. You ready? Stop. Stop. Don't keep debating with God while you're walking the wrong direction. Stop. Stop. And if you stop, turn toward him. And if he did this with Samson, my God, he'll do it with you. Stop. And say, oh God, he said, yes, I've been here all the time. Been waiting on you to stop. Been waiting on you to turn. Been waiting on you to say, God, I'm here. I'm the one that's been rooting for you. I've been waiting on you to turn. It don't matter how long it took you. It don't matter what the mess is. I don't matter that it's the 13th time that you've been there. I'm here. I'm here. Turn to me. Turn to me. Stop. Turn around. Refresh. And revive yourself in the presence of God. His greatest need was the water. God brought the water out of the ground. And it says it refreshed him and revived his strength. Our greatest need is nearness to God. I got to get in his presence. Will you stand with me, please? Refresh and revive yourself in the presence of God. Because all that God wants is you, step by step. As I was preparing this today, I was asking the Lord, how do I close this out? What am I supposed to do? And he said, you're supposed to deliver what I gave you and just simply ask a question. How are you stepping? Nobody owes me an explanation. But if there's anything about the steps that you're taking that is not perfectly in alignment with God, I'm asking you today, would you please come forward and just share that time with God? It's totally up to you. But I promise you this, if you'll step this way, not only will there be prayer team people down here meet you to pray with you, but God's here. He's saying, step close to me. 
and I step close to you. If you step close to me, I'll step close to you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what the circumstances, but oh God, step toward me. I need altar workers that'll come help. Oh God, I praise you today. I praise you today. I praise you today. Wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, God knew it ahead of time. God don't ever say, "Uh uh-oh. Are you serious? He's saying, hey, man, if you'll take one step toward me, I'll meet you here. I'll meet you here. I'll meet you here. As they play and lead us in worship, I encourage you, please, if you have anything, any step you're taking isn't exactly what you want it to be, today's the day to stop and turn it around. Will you pray? See you.